In this world of nonstop news, it's important local journalists cut through the noise so you know what really matters. Hi, everyone. I'm Phil Lipoff. And I'm Shannon Malaire. In our community in Boston, you are the driving force behind our stories every night. Our investigators team is constantly creating change that impacts all of us. And NBC10 response Leslie Gatiss is ready to fight for your retail rights. Plus experience and accuracy, Pete Bouchard brings you the forecast like no one else. It's your news and we're here to tell it. NBC10 Boston, weeknights at 6, 7, and 11. Blog Talk Radio. From the People's Republic of Minnesota, where your kids are never too old to get head lice, welcome to Closet Objectivist Podcast. I am Corey Baum, and I'm along with Dr. Megan Ribbons. How's it going, Megan? Hi, Corey. I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Hey, I didn't bring it up to you in the pre-show because I wanted to bring it up to you uh, uh, while we were alive. Yeah, my kids got head lice last night. and Well, Aww. they probably did. Yeah. So it's like... It's like, when is this going to end? You know, it ha- it's happened a couple of times in the past. And uh, we had our uh, game night last night, like I was saying before, and uh-huh. before the show. And uh, I get a call from my neighbor saying, oh, by the way, my kid came down with head lice. And so my wife, I told my wife that she went up there and checked their heads. And sure enough, they both had it. And one's, one's like 12, going to be 12. And, and uh, the other's eight. And it's like, God damn it, again. You know, we, we went through this whole thing so often, you know, a few years ago. So, uh, yeah, so we did the whole, the mayonnaise. You, you're, you know what, you're going to have this experience too. I, I, I know it because every, every kid, you know, every kid gets it. But Yeah, I don't did, remember every, this from my own childhood. So this will be, this will, it essentially is a novel experience for me. And by the way, I never, I don't think I ever got head lice when I was a kid. And I know, you know, uh, you know, I have heard it happen and I knew that kids that did, but it was like, I don't know. It seems like it's way more common now. So I I don't know why that, why that is. Um, But yeah, so, so now what what I'm doing here is uh, we're washing sheets. So like uh, I was trying to prepare for the show when I get this call from my neighbor, you know, I, I was trying to make my own notes, you know, you have yours and I was trying to make my own mm-hmm. notes. And I get a call from my neighbor about this and I'm like, crap, now we got to figure out. So, you know, I started pulling their sheets off their beds and, and you know, throwing stuff in the, in the washing machine and then the dryer. And you got, you're just like, what have they touched? What are they, what have they laid on? They can start cleaning stuff. And, oh God. So anyway, you know, since, since we moved into this house, we haven't, <laughs> outbreak as far as that goes but in the townhome when we lived there we had it several times and it was just a nightmare because ah just, oh man it, i'm sorry yeah. yeah so anyway that's uh that's been my fun for today uh, oh i'm sorry it makes me feel any better we installed a new garbage disposal today oh did you how, now did you have any help with that or did you just do it yourself no i just did it myself um it's yeah kind of i'm, I'm not 
Yeah, it really is. Well, and I really don't understand why the unit didn't come with its own power cord. Like, you had to actually pull it apart from the previous unit and strip the wires, and you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. I was thinking to myself, I wish Ikea would get into garbage disposals because then this would be just, like, so much more streamlined. Yeah. Well, then you'd have to, but you'd have to put, like, every little thing together with Ikea. You'd have to... Yeah, but at least it, you know it would come with the with the plumber putty, and I wouldn't have to like right. go back to the store again. And <laughs> yeah, that's the thing too. Yeah, so so here's here, I never had to really install one, but what I had to do was take apart one because it was all messed up inside, and there was a bunch of mm-hmm. it was a bunch of clogging. So yeah, I know it's it, it's just it, it was just gross and. Uh, uh, and, and that's what I find too, is when you have to do a, <laughs> this happens all the time. Whenever I have some sort of project, I might think it's easy. And then again, and then I go to Home Depot or whatever Menards like three times just to get, cause that's like, Oh, oh yeah. That. Now, yep. that. Mm-hmm. Well, that sucks. well and I, I yeah. think it's like that with everything. I, I, I built my own computer years ago and, and it was, you know, it's really not that hard, but there it definitely is a learning curve and you know, yeah. No, it was. I was yeah. really glad that you know, because Gracie got to play with the plumber potty, and um, yeah. she got to she got to see how the screwdriver works, and you know how to right. how to twist wires together. I mean, like you know, <laughs> she she may never install her own garbage disposal, and who could blame her? But you know, she you know she can. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think you know, getting back to that, then you know, I might eventually get a garbage disposal for here but we don't have one in this new place and i don't care i don't really how do you want to have live one. i know right and especially with, <laughs> here's the thing is if it was just me and my wife that we eat we eat everything off our plate and we, you know we could scrape stuff in the garbage but the kids you know they they throw you know s- cereal in the sink and you got to you know scrape that <laughs> out if you don't have a dish you know if you don't have a garbage disposal and stuff like that so it's like uh I try to get them to make sure they eat everything or throw it in the garbage. But if you're not around, they'll just chuck it in the sink. And it's like, God damn it. You know, and you can't just, yeah. So anyway, uh, Hey, have you thought about your headline or no? I have, I have. Did you want to go first? Um, sure. So, um, I, the, the, so my headline is this, the New York times announced today that they have hired the editor in chief of the onion. <laughs> Who says they haven't? <laughs> I, well, that's just it. I was thinking, uh, why not? Right? I mean, that's, that's honestly it. these days I find it really hard to tell. I really like. There are so many headlines where I I look to see what the source is because I'm I'm you know there's like a fifty percent chance it is an onion article. <laughs> yeah. Which you know makes. Did I lose you? I can't hear you. So if you can hear me, uh, you can just hang up and call back or let me put you on brief hold. And then I'm going to try to bring you back on. We just lost for a minute here. Let's see if I can get her, uh, get her back on. Okay. She's going to call back in. Uh, let me give you some information here, folks. Um, we wanted to uh, give, I, I want to give you the number to call in. Uh, so if you want to call in, be a guest on the show, 
uh, call in 516-387-1224, and you can press 1 if you want to be on the show, uh, or otherwise you can just listen. And I'm going to try to uh, get Megan, so please just hold one brief moment. Let me put on, I'll play a little bit of music here. I've got some technical issues of my own. Okay, no problem. So it looks like uh, I'm going to do. Can you hear me okay still? Oh, shoot. Yes, I sure can. Okay, good, good, good. I thought I lost you. Okay, good. So, okay. Uh, yeah. So now let's. Uh, I, I wanted to. Uh... Oh, yeah, no, oh, so I was going to do my, um, my fake news headline. Okay, mine is thanks to embryonic CRISPR technology, all. Single, all Mendelian genetic defects have been eliminated. All babies are born healthy. Wow. Uh, can you, I, 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 I'm not as familiar with uh, CRISPR. I've heard, you know, Stuart's mentioned it, and I know you're on. Mm. has touched on it briefly. Well, you, can you give us a quick little, uh, a little No, I'd, I'd rather... I mean, I'd rather defer it until later because, you know, I, I obviously been hearing a lot about it, but I am certainly no expert on the technology. Um, um, as far as I know, it, it, it involves um, a virus that can actually deliver. Um, so here's an example. Um, there are some genes where there's like a single point mutation. I mean, normally genes have usually around um, – a few hundred to a few thousand base pairs, right? Um, And sometimes it just takes one change in one letter, one A, G, C, or T, um, to cause you real problems. Cystic fibrosis is one. There's a bunch of different point mutations that will give you cystic fibrosis. It's a really, really devastating disease. For a long time, most people didn't live past about age 25. Um, So what CRISPR does, and again, like, this is one of the many things I've had on my to-do list is to learn more about CRISPR because it's not something I work with myself. Um, Okay. Sorry. Grace, you just found the kitty. It's a, you know, there's much rejoicing. (laughs) Anyway, so as as I understand it, um, it's this new sort of, how do you say this, like an attenuated virus. Um, that can deliver, like, the edited gene. So um, you just, whatever the, the mutation is, you just, you just, you know, rewrite that little stretch of DNA, put okay. it in a virus, and shoot it into the, the human cell. Um, okay. There's probably a lot more to it. Um, that's, that's my understanding today. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. no, I, uh, I just, I, I've heard a little bit about it, and I, 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 it's there's so many articles that I try to read, and uh, I have come across some information, but you know, 
the crow analogy fits me perfectly because, <laughs> you know, I, uh, this is too much, you know, uh, for me. And it's, uh, I, 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 you know, eyes glazed over at some, you know what I mean? So, uh, I'm trying to yeah, take Yeah, I mean, it's it's always been a problem, right? Like, with genetic diseases, what you'd like to do is fix it at its source, at the level of the gene. But there are trillions of cells in the human body. Um, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily need to sort of edit all of them. Um, but, you, you, you know, with some of these diseases, they're pretty systemic, so you, you do need to edit quite a few. Um and and so there's a, I mean, there are different cell types. How do you, you know, most viruses will only attack um, a certain subset of cells. So how do you get them into all the cells you want to? How do you get the DNA where you want it and only where you want it? You don't want to introduce more mutations that would be mm-hmm. counterproductive. Um, it's right. not, it's not a trivial problem by any means. Um, but we all knew that this is where the technology was going to go. It was just, you know, a matter of trying to get it there and, and it's nice that we've made such such huge progress in the last few years right cool yeah um i'm going to do real quick uh you know before we get into our uh, our subject here uh I, again i'm going to give out our phone number so that's 516-387-1224 if you want to be in on the show dial one otherwise you know don't press anything and can just listen to us nobody in the chat room right now but uh if anyone does come in well i'll i'll monitor it and uh i'd like to know how the show sounds too so if you do call in and you ask a question you know uh, i'll ask you how the, how the show like can you hear us well and that kind of thing so how it sounds uh also uh you can find the show on blog talk obviously right because that's where we're at and then also on the stitcher app and the tune in radio app uh, those are free to get, by the way. You could just download them. They're really easy. And Stitcher's great because, well, both of them really are, are pretty cool because Stitcher's got a lot of great uh, podcasts. And it's funny because uh, I think Stitcher has a lot better podcasts, and I'm glad that we're on it so that we can be there too. But they have, uh, and to be quite honest, Blog Talk doesn't have the same quality of podcasts that Stitcher has, uh, not even close. Uh, I don't know, Meg, if you have a Stitcher, but you should download it. There's a lot of interesting – it's like science stuff, too. I like science. If you're into true crime, if you're into a specific TV show, there's probably a podcast out there. You know what I mean? So it's pretty huh, cool. Neat. Like a movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Well, so I, I, I have um, – sorry, I, I don't know if I'm allowed okay. – okay, so I have Audible. Um, I'm actually kind of a walking advertisement for Audible. Um, and among other things, they have channels where you can just listen ad libitum. Um, and among them, they have um, the Onion channel. So usually, like, you know, each entry is just like a minute or two. But they, they I mean, there's tons of them, and they're hilarious. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and, and, and by the way, again, thank you for the book from – I got Atlas Shrug from Mega on Audible, and I've been listening to that, and and uh, uh, it's great. I mean, it, I mean, the book is great, but it, the Audible, it's very slick. I mean, we're doing an advertisement for free mm-hmm. for them. Uh, but no, – <laughs> It's great, um, uh, but no, I, I, I and I want to do more audiobooks, and it's you know it's yeah. it's nicer for me. It's fortunate that I'm at a I work at a place that I can I can listen to stuff while I work, and I can actually focus on both. Uh, this is mm-hmm. a thing for me, I guess. Uh, 
so yeah, audible and these, so like I spend my time on stitcher a lot, but then I'll, I'm listening to Atlas shrug more. So, uh, but yeah, they're, it's great. And we're on there and uh, you can just look us up. It's uh, in the closet objectivists. Just look us up that way and you'll come right to us and follow us on blog talk. We have up to 12 followers, Meg. So uh, we're getting, uh, getting a few more here and there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's like, looking. I think your old Brooke has like 500 followers. So we're, we're yeah. already at like two and a half percent there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it's pretty you know, good. Uh, that's right. I'm a, I'm an, I'm an optimist when it comes to our show. I'm going to be, I'm going to stay that way because I want <laughs> that is to kind of the point. Right. I, uh, and then I also noticed too, we had a lot of listens to the last show. So that's awesome. So thank you everybody for who has listened yeah. to us. Uh, any way you listen to us, it's great. And, you know, that's awesome. I know, you know, people, we do our show on Sundays at three 30. Well, there's a big football game on right now. And you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know. Have, Meg, have you, by the way, before we get into the subject, one more question just for you, Meg is. No, there's no questions be- allowed in this podcast. <laughs> would you be interested in moving? I mean, are, are you comfortable with where we're at as far as the time and day or, would you ever want to move it to like, I don't know, another time and day? <laughs> I know you were sort of talking about like a, like a weekday. I mean, I, mean, I guess after like 8 PM on a weekday, I could, I could still call in. It's, I mean, that you're like, Oh honey, you're just so frustrated. Aren't you? Um, but you don't want mom's help. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, the only thing there is that that would make it pretty much impossible if we ever wanted to be like, in the same like vicinity. <laughs> no, and that, yeah, once she goes to bed, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're you're fine. I'm just going to head out for a couple hours, and that's no, not going to no. happen. No, but but I think I think you know maybe being able to focus more, you know, when she's sleeping or something too, that might help you. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, Corey, it's, it's like you're saying I'm a little bit distracted. <laughs> well, you can you do juggle things just fine. I mean, I'm not saying you know. Uh, but I just, you know, the reason I say is to, in order, in order for us maybe to get more live listeners, we might have to go to a different, uh, later date, later time, or another day at a later time or something. I'm, I'm just trying to think of things that might get us a little more of a live listening, uh, opportunity and more interaction. So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm gonna mute myself that. while I while I find sure. a binky here. Yep. Okay, <laughs> I'll be right with you. Yep. Okay, everybody. So, uh, Meg, while we wait for Meg to uh, get Gracie calmed down a little bit, uh, if you call in, if you decide to call in, uh, we're gonna ask you a couple of things. One is uh, a fake news headline. If you have uh, anything that you might think is funny or interesting or whatever, a fake news headline, kind of like what we just said. And then also, if you would. Uh, and you are an objectivist or you have read about objectivism or if you know of Ayn Rand, uh, let us know where you first heard of Ayn Rand or the philosophy of, of objectivism. And like your favorite book, lecture, even if it's like, say, maybe a quote, something like that. We're going to get into the topic shortly. And it's it, we're, we're talking about productiveness. And uh, Meg has a lot of uh, great thoughts on, on that uh, topic. And... Um, so she, once she gets back, we'll we'll get into our our main topic. I want to put on a little bit of background music, just to have something. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh no, 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 no problem. 
I swear it's like a law of physics. Like you can find half a dozen binkies at any one time, except when you desperately need one. Yeah. Yeah. So I put on a little (sighs) JS block. I have a little Bach in the background. (laughs) Bach in the background. Yeah. uh, Makes it sound especially erudite. That's right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was... If if you have any, you know, by the way, uh, if anybody out there that's listening and uh, is either they can contact us through Facebook or, uh, you know, call in or on the chat on Block Talk. But, you know, give us some ideas for music, too. That'd be great. Music uh, that you might want to hear on the show. I know uh, we have a listener, Shannon, who has sent over a couple of songs or uploaded those to our show page or my I should say my studio. So I could play those. But, you know, if anybody else wants to interject on some ideas for music, go for it. Let us know. So, um, our topic, Megan, Doctor Ribbon. Productiveness. Yeah, I, I know. I, I've been I've been um, pitching this topic for a very long time, and Corey graciously let me let me take the bit in my teeth and run with it. Um, so um, I was kind of trying to think of like, okay, motivation. Okay, so I mean, first of all, let's let's kind of zoom out for a second, you know, I just, I want to like dive right into productiveness. So I'm going to be a little patient with myself. Um, Should we start with a definition and, perhaps? Or like what, um, how you Yeah. It? Did you want to, did you want to go in with that? Cause I'm like, um, yeah. <laughs> my hands full at the moment. Yep. Yep. I can for a minute. Yeah, that's okay. So, um, I think when we, when we uh, do a topic for a show, I think it's really important, and I think most people would agree, and especially objectivists, is we want to have the correct definition definition of what we're talking about, so that you know everybody's on board when they, you know, either if they call in or they want to participate or they all, you know, they know kind of where we're headed. Uh, I pulled up a definition, and when I think about productiveness, I think about it more as like when I go to work, I want to make sure that I'm earning my way, my keep and being productive. And it's not just at work either. It's also in my regular life. I want to be productive so that I can provide for myself and my family. And I, I judge that as, you know, as to what I can attain on my own. Uh, and it's also about me uh, being pursuing my values and uh, providing for myself and my family and not needing, not necessarily needing the productive productivity. <laughs> I can't talk productivity of another person mm-hmm. i'm not relying on that i'm relying on myself and uh, it, that makes me uh uh not just feel good but it makes me confident that i can you know uh do other things and do the things that i i'm good at and i don't know does that make sense yeah yeah i mean and and i was um we can i might defer this to a little bit later talking about the difference between productiveness and productivity but, I mean, I think it's worth highlighting that, you know, I'm certainly no expert in the other ethos, you know, Christianity, Buddhism, take your pick. Um, but as far as I know, of all the ethos, objectivism is the only one that holds productiveness as a virtue. Um, you know, there's, there's the three main values, which we sort of touched upon last time, is reason, purpose, and self-esteem. And, and the virtues are kind of you'd say they're broad principles on how to attain those major values. And, you know, even Ayn Rand herself herself said, you know, this is not an exhaustive list. There may be other virtues, but here are these seven and they're pretty important. (laughs) 
<laughs> they're pretty they're pretty essential to obtain all the all the worthy values in life so you know you might want to kind of attend to them and productiveness is one of them and again like objectivism is the only one that says like productive work is is an essential virtue and i mean why is that i mean like what I run kind of pointing to there um but I think so I'm going to get to that but I'm going to get to it in a bit of a circuitous manner so kind of bear with me here I mean I've been thinking about this a lot and one of the things that occurred to me is is kind of this relates I promise is like (laughs) like why (laughs) why why is hell sometimes depicted you know, like in, in the show Supernatural, at one point there's like this new devil and he he remakes hell into like this endless line. That's all it is. You just you're just standing in line forever. <laughs> and you think to myself, Yeah, that really does sound terrible. I mean that that does sound kind of hellish. Nobody likes standing in line. Um, or in like <laughs> for those who've ever driven in, in Los Angeles, um there's the movie Constantine where he goes to hell and he's literally just sitting in a car in sweltering heat in bumper to bumper traffic. And I can tell you um, from a lot of experience that yes, that is pretty much the worst. Um, so like why, you know, why is that? It's not, it's not violent. It's not, you know, particularly torturous as we you know normally think of it. And yet that those depictions of hell are really compelling, right? We can relate. It's really awful standing in line. And I think the reason um, that's so hellish is because, you know, when we're standing in line, we're trying to accomplish something. We're trying to achieve a value. Um, if no other than to, like, get our, you know, get our new license at the DMV and get the hell out of there. Um mm-hmm. And, and standing in line or, stand, you know, like sitting in bumper-to-bumper traffic is our effort being frustrated. I think it, there's, like, there's something really, really fundamental in the human brain that we are wired. I mean, like, that's how we survive, right? Like, we don't sort of wander out into the woods and get our food. Um, we, don't, we don't have any sort of program behaviors that will help us get what we need. We need to figure it out and then work to get those values. Um, you know, like an animal doesn't, you know, like, it's like the wily coyote, right? Like he can chase the road runner day in and day out and never catch it. And he doesn't ever sit back and say, God, this is awful. I hate being a coyote. I wish I could be something else. You know, I hate chasing that stupid road runner every day. No, he doesn't, he doesn't say that, right? He doesn't introspect and wish he were something else. He just keeps doing it until he either succeeds and eats or starves to death. I mean, that's, right. you know. That's the fundamental difference between human beings and animals is that we we can sit back and say, wow, this just isn't working and it's awful. Um, and, you know, at some level, subconsciously at least, we're saying to ourselves, wow, like my effort to live is being frustrated. You know, that like my survival is threatened. I think that's even though there's no physical force acting on us and we're standing in line or sitting in traffic, there is a real sense in which our our effort to be productive and gain a value is being undermined and it is threatening to us. So it kind of like festers a little bit when you're sitting in traffic and you're like, God, that's why you maybe get angry is because you're, you know, 
you're 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 or maybe it's subconsciously saying I'm not getting to where I need to be to gain the value that I want to gain, and so I it's a source of anger and frustration and yeah. Yeah, I think those feelings are real and valid, and I think they, they come from a legitimate place. You know, I I think, and, and I'm going to point to a lot of examples where um, there's there's a lot of real emotion tied to productivity, and I think that's valid, and I think that's, um, you know, I, I mean, I think that's, like, evolutionarily been really useful to us. Um, you know, I can... <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time talking about, you know, depictions of hell, but um, in general, they involve, you know, like Dante's Inferno is, is probably the most poetic example of hell. And there's like all sorts of different, I mean, there's like, he had a genie, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever read um, Dante's Inferno? No, I mean, I know a little bit about it, but no, I have not. Yeah, it's been like a million years for me, so bear with me. But, I mean, he really, <laughs> he has kind of um, a genius for for ironic torture. Um, but, you know, so there's, I mean, it was kind of all, all of hell was like that, the way he he depicted it. You know, there's, there's like the sin of lust, which, you know, objectivists, eh. <laughs> we don't really consider that a sin. But, you know, he... You know, and and Dante had a very complicated relationship with Christianity, I would say, without, you know, being an expert in um, Dante Alighieri. Um, But, you know, he's depicting lust in hell. And, you know, in life, people who were subject to lust were sort of at the whim of their their passion with another person. Um, So in hell... They're in this perpetual whirlwind, and they can so they can see their lover, their their the values they want to achieve, um, but they're you know they're stuck in this tornado, right? So you know just as they were sort of at at the will, you know they they were sort of swept up by their own passions in life. They're sort of swept up by their passions in hell, but they can never attain their value, which is physical intimacy with their lover. They're always physically separated by this by this tornado. I mean, there's a Virgilian examples, but like, there's a reason why this is one of the most compelling works of art ever. You know what I mean? Is that there's something real there that this, this idea that hell is your efforts to produce are constantly being frustrated and just how, how damaging and undermining that is. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. I think there's yeah. something to it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, go on. I'm sorry. I just had to be like, that was a good. That was good. No, you know, I tend to like get on a roll and start blathering. So please, please, please interrupt me. No, yeah, that's no, that's okay. I just, um, you know, you know, you, you just you said something. I'm like, oh, that that totally. You know, it's like if you, <clears throat> and and correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Because I'm not. I don't want to, you know, say I know more than you about this because I don't. But, uh. It's like if you look at, you know, if you say, look, I, I, you know, it's like I want to be productive because it's a value to me and, and I want to, you know, and, and it can be, you can be dragged down uh, to look at it as not a, a, a virtue uh, because what of the depiction of it, right? So if, 
if people are, are saying that, oh boy, <laughs> I don't want to get too, uh, too mixed up here, but if people are depicting, uh, producers or product, uh, maybe I'm not getting it right, but it, you were, you were hitting it and, it's a, it's about Do you want me to keep going and then you interrupt me? I mean. Yeah, keep going. Okay, because... all right. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think it's worth, um, so I, I wanted to, to, I mean, the, this idea that, you know, okay, well, while animals need to be productive too, right, I mean, in the sense that they need to, um, you know, attain, yeah, I mean, they need to attain values, right? They can't just sit there and have them come to them, Um they're not, I mean, it's not quite the same thing, and they certainly don't have the same reaction to their to their efforts being frustrated. And, and I think Ayn Rand highlights this difference really well, so I'm quoting from the Objectivist Ethic. The virtue of productiveness is the recognition of the fact that productive work is the process by which man's mind sustains his life, the process that sets man free of the necessity to adjust himself to his background as animals do and give him the power to adjust his background to himself. Productive work is, I'm continuing the quote, productive work is the road of man's unlimited achievement and calls upon the highest attributes of his character, his creative ability, his ambitiousness, his self-assertiveness, his refusal to bear uncontested disasters. I love that part. His refusal to bear uncontested disasters, his dedication to the goal of reshaping the earth in the image of his values. And I think that last part especially is just so beautiful. Um, right. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're an animal and, and you know, the prey runs out or whatever, you're hosed. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't, while, while we don't have any sort of pre-programming, you know, with our survival, you know, we're, we're also not hosed if there's just some, you know, we're, it's not over if there's just some disaster out of our control. We can, we can plan and prepare for it or, or adjust ourselves if, yeah, if a disaster like, comes. Yeah, we shape the earth. It's just, you know, we shape the earth as we need it to be for, for human life. And we, w- there's nothing we can't overcome by using our minds and reason and uh, it, like you just said, if there's a natural disaster, something happens, uh, we we don't necessarily have to be wiped out, or you know, we, uh, so that that yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, I mean, there's something there's something really special about the virtue of productiveness, right? Like, productiveness is just, it, I mean, that is this beautiful integration of of mind and body of thought and action, right? Like you can, you can read books all day long and, and that's great. Obviously not, not discouraging that in, in any way. And you can be honest and, you know, not, not lie to people. And that's important. Um, you can be truthful to reality, but, you know, productiveness is, is, is where the rubber meets the road, right? I'm just using all these cliches. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> No, yeah, it's okay. I'm full of cliches, so it's all right. <laughs> I think I think it's a Minnesota thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so like you know, it's I mean, this is this is where you put your thoughts into action. This is where um, 
your ideas become physically real. I mean, that's, that's really, that's really lovely. I, I mean, it brings to mind another thing that Ayn Rand said just off the top of my head. She was talking about inventions as, as like thoughts frozen into physical form. I mean, how beautiful is that? I, I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's a real reason why we just get so emotionally upset when we're not productive. Um, I mean, so as a, as sort of like a, a case study, right. You can think of, think of, you know, we all have gamers in our life. I mean, most of us do, I'm sure. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like there, there is a demographic that comes to mind. Um, you know, like E3 is, is in Los Angeles. And, you know, I had a friend who, you know, I, you know, I went to grad school in, at USC um, and he would drive through downtown and he would drive past the convention center. And when E3 was going on, he was, he was talking about how you could sort of like pick out who was going to E3 and who was, you know, going to work, right? There's, I mean, it's not that like everyone who ever games looks exactly the same. Quickly, one, one question. Uh, can you explain E3? Oh yeah, sorry. It's um, I don't, I don't even know what it stands for, but um, it's it's just this convention where um, um, game publishers, game companies, um, video game companies usually um will showcase their new products. Oh okay. Um, yeah. So that's where you get all the great footage for the new Mass Effect and the new Dragon Age. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah my favorite ones um so yes i am revealing myself there i i enjoy gaming it's i i find it a nice way to unwind and i'm not saying that everyone who ever uses a game to hang out with their friends or unwind is is like um going to objectivist hell (laughs) it's not actually a thing (laughs) i'm i'm talking about and you know who i'm talking about um those people who like don't have a job or, or, or barely have a job and they just kind of sit in front of their computer all the time and do raids or whatever. Right. I mean, and there's an image that comes to mind there. Um, there's a sense in which like the game itself sort of tricks their brain, right? Like when they're in game, they're doing quests and leveling up their character and getting gold or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? So they feel productive, but then eventually they they shut off their computer and you can tell, I mean, you can see the effect that uh, like a lack of true productiveness has on them, right? I mean, these people don't even look like they like themselves, you know, they, they're kind of, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, usually they're really kind of crabby and boastful when they're in game. Um, right. You know, they, they don't take, they, yeah, I mean, they, they don't, they obviously don't liken themselves enough to kind of take care of themselves. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I think, I think there's a real reason for that. I mean, they may be good at raids, but, you know, they don't, they're not very good at life. And, and, and at some level, raids, like, they, I mean, if, I mean, I guess if you're talking about like um, MMOs, for example. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was never into World of Warcraft, but you know, I mean, yeah. people are. Again, well, I am not. Yeah. I'm not disparaging that. I mean, you know, there's 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 a particular game where I'm talking about here, and I've tried to be, you know, 
going to be so sad. Is it a guy from yeah. South Park? Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're talking about that episode, Make Love Not Warcraft. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was just, yes. I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, well, there, I mean, what were you going to say? It's a, well, I mean, here it is. I mean, it's an element of because they may not be the most handsome or fittest person, they can go online and they could be the boss of everybody. And uh, that's good enough for them. And that is their reality in a way. And um, so that, you know, does that make sense? Um, I guess, I mean, I'm, I'm no psychologist or psychiatrist. I, I mean, I, I can only make some, some very general guesses as to what motivates them to sort of lose themselves. And, and maybe it's just, you know, I mean, some people are, are prone to gambling addictions. Some people are prone to drug or alcohol addictions. I mean, you know, the, these games are really designed to sort of capitalize on how the human brain works you know you you level up you get a little dopamine rush and it's it's it can be addictive i mean um there's all sorts of reasons why um games can really suck people in and i'm not you know it's it's not so much that i'm i'm saying oh you're you're such a terrible person i'm just i mean you hate to see it right you hate to see a friend sort of never go out or never date or never shower or never go for a jog. You know what I mean? Like just, you know, like you, they're, they're obviously wow. not real happy with themselves. Yeah. Um, and how could you, could you really be friends with somebody, you know what I mean? For very long like that. I mean, I don't know. I, I had my time after, you know, high school and, and stuff where I kind of didn't really know what I was going to do. And I didn't, I was floating and, and, and then, you know, even in my 20s, you know, I was, you know, laying around and drinking every day and or whatever, going out. And, like, it's like once you get into that loop or you get into that uh, product of what you're doing, your environment, I guess, whatever, and it's like, you know, you're not – how how are you going to be appealing to a friend or a woman or, you know? Uh yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that's my two cents on, on that. Yeah, I mean, there's only one Brad Pitt, and yet somehow <laughs> m- most most of us who are not Brad Pitt manage to, you know, like you know, we have fulfilling relationships. And I mean, so I mean, I, I, I mean, perhaps perhaps the you know these like hardcore gamers, um, you know, really feel insecure about their about their appearance, but you know, I. I think a lot of that is ameliorated by being good at life, you know, right. like going, going to work and doing a really, really stellar job. I mean, that's so huge. And I, I wish people would speak up more about that and, and, and talk about how much confidence that gives you and how much pride and how much, you know, how, how much easier it is to face difficult situations in life, knowing that you do a damn good job. Right. I mean, it's, it's so huge. And, and I don't know about you, but, like, nobody ever talked about that with me. I mean, my parents were awesome. I mean, they're, they're awesome generally, but they were so awesome about this in particular. And they wanted me to work when I was um, 14. I was I was glad for that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And there's another – I'm sorry, did you, was there something else you wanted to add? 
Well, I, I just was going to say, you know, uh, if there's, uh, I always say to, you know, to my kids or, you know, to anybody who, who wants, you know, a, a little bit of advice about, you know, you know, don't worry about being good or, you know, great or even good at everything. Just be, be great at one thing or something that you're good at. Focus on that one thing that you're good at and get better. And, um, you, your confidence, you'll, when you start getting better, your confidence will start going up and up and your productivity will go up and up and up as well. And, everything falls into place from that. So like you might need, you know, you might not be the best, I don't know, at, at a lot of things, sports or a musician, but say you can, you can draw like my kid's really good. She's a good drawer. She write, you know, she's a good artist as far as like drawing and paint, you know, that kind of stuff and, and all this. And so I'm like, you know, that's you focus on that. You like to do it. If she likes to do it. Great. I try to push, you know, not push, push, but like, encourage her like you're really good at this you're going to get a lot of confidence from from this uh you may not see it right now you might think of you know i'm I'm just doing it because i like it and that's great too but i'm saying if you focus on it and you know you're going to be the more you do it you know you're going to keep getting better and better and if that's the one thing you're good at in life if like that's the one thing you can hang your hat on you know at least you know you know that you're the best or you're right up at the top you know, in that particular arena, you know, or you can compete with the best in that particular arena, you know. It, you yeah, know, so what, what you said brought brought up two really awesome, awesome points. Uh, Go for it. The next, maybe uh, the Michelangelo of drawing. Can you hear you, me? You cut, out, you cut out just for a second. Do you want to start over on that? Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, your daughter may be the Michael, the next Michelangelo. And that's right. fantastic. But even if she she's not, right, she can still, I mean, you know, in terms of art and, and in general, right, like there's never too much beauty. There are never going to be too many depictions of the heroic, right? So mm-hmm. she, can, she can produce things that are real genuine value. Um, and the other thing is that, I mean, so with regards to the things that you're not the best at, right? You know, I, I I did my first triathlon when I was 10 with my dad and it was a really small race. There there weren't that many people um, and they were all really, really elite. Um, I was 10. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. like I yeah. wasn't beating. I mean, we were like dead last. It was like the worst race ever. The water was like stupid cold. And then, yeah, you yeah. know, the bike, we had this insane, Staying headwind for half of it where we're going like 10 miles an hour <laughs> and then as soon as we get out the bike and start running there's this like downpour <laughs> yeah. I mean it was comic just how miserable the whole race was um yeah. but you know and, and I'm like just this, what I was lamenting was the fact that I was last my dad was like you beat everyone who didn't show up, you know, and and it, like, it yeah. took me a long time to really get what he was, what he was getting to there. But, I mean, it's not a matter of like, are you the best artist ever? Are you the best triathlete ever? I mean, this is productiveness. I mean, that's a really second-handed view of things. Productiveness is really your 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 ability to win against nature right to to win against starvation and disaster 
um, and time. And, and it's, it's, I mean, again, you don't have to be the best at, at anything. You don't, you don't have to be a Howard Rourke. It's, it's not about being better than others. It's about winning against nature and against death. You know, I mean, it's about winning, winning the most flourishing for yourself. It's not about other people. And that's, that's what I love about productiveness. It's, it's, it's doing the best with your abilities. Yes. Period. Yes. Yes. And, you know, just a little thing is, you know, you, if you enjoy it and, and, and you pursue it to your fullest and you, you'll, you'll get better. I mean, if it's a passion and you, and you do that and you, you practice it and you do it every day or as often as you, you can, you're going to get better. It's just, it's, that's what will happen because, uh, I believe I, there's enough evidence out there to show, you know, that people that are passionate about things that pursue them to their fullest, they, they're very, uh, successful, I guess, uh, uh, flourishing mm-hmm. individuals, uh, that are happy and they're, 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 they're happy and they're living a life that they want to live. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's, that's, you know, and, and from pursuing something that they're good at, you know, it, it's not about, see, that's the thing is it's not about being uh, a jack of all trades all the time, like knowing every little thing about it, every other, you know, it's about focusing on one thing that you're really good at and just maximizing everything towards that one thing, you know, and, and get, and just bring in the crap out of that, ring in that rag until. Yeah. 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 And, and maybe not even the thing you're best at, but the thing you find most fulfilling. Right. I, I should defer more on. Yes. That's kind of more what I'm, what I mean there. So, yeah. Yeah. And I realize, you know, not, not, I mean, so you may be an amazing photographer and just can't, can't sustain yourself or can't sustain, you know, your, your family with just your photography. And, you know, I mean, it, it highlights the fact that, you know, those of us who, who can, who can thrive at, at the thing about which we're most passionate, we're so lucky. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, not everyone can. And it's, I mean, it's, it's lucky that there are, especially, I mean, now more than ever, right. I mean, even a hundred years ago, it really wouldn't have mattered that I love science chances are I was going to be working on a farm or, um, (laughs) at, at best. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a wonderful time to be alive that more and more of us can, can, can support ourselves by our passion. And that's wonderful. Right. But it's also like, you know, if you think about it though, nowadays too, is, you know, again, going, if you know, you're going to school for, underwater basket weaving, right? Because so, that's what your passion is. That's what you're good at. You're not going to make a lot of money. Go ahead and pursue that all you want, right? And if maybe you're great at it, you're the best underwater basket weaver ever, or it's something that you're really, really good at and you're putting stuff on display because of your underwater basket weaving, but, you know, you still want to have a, a means to support yourself too, right? So, yeah. You know, yeah. So it's yeah. great to be good at something. And you're productive. You're the most productive underwater basket weaver ever, but still, you know, you may not, you know, be able to support yourself. So you need to make sure that there's alternate means there to do that. So. Yeah. And, and not all fields are productive. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. Um, You know, I'm not saying, you know, 
so at UCLA, that's where I got my undergrad, um, there was, I mean, like, the like campus is literally bisected, and there was South Campus, which is the sciences, the crappy buildings. It's gotten much better now, but back when I went to school. Um, and then there was North Campus with the good food and the pretty buildings. That was more the humanities. Um, and, like, every year, the, the, the teaching assistants would strike, and it was mostly the North Campus teaching assistants because... They, there's not a lot of grant money out there for them to support their graduate work. Um, so they had to rely on, on teaching. Um, oh, are you there? Uh, if you're there, I can hear you. So you might want to go ahead and uh, mute yourself and come back, or I can just do that here real quick for you. So we lost Meg again. Just one of those things, yeah. little technical issues. I think I heard something. Yeah, can you call back? I sure can. can. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, can you hear me? I'll do that. I can hear you fine right now. Okay, yeah, no, I'll just, I'll just keep going. Um, okay. sorry, I uh, lost my train of thought. Well, um, yeah, yeah I'm so not sure where you I was ranting about. Okay, um, hopefully this will be cogent to our listeners. But I was ranting <laughs> about the teachers, the the uh, grad students at UCLA. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, the, the North Campus, you know, humanities, um, TAs, right, they were always striking for more classes and more money, right, because, you know, for whatever reason, not a lot of undergrads found, you know, classes in underwater basket weaving all that valuable to their future um, right. and wouldn't take those classes. So there weren't a lot of teaching fellowships um, in the humanities. Um, I, I mean, again, that's not entirely the fault of these Oh, looks like we might have lost you again, Meg. Might have lost you again. So, uh, can you call back? Little... Oh, I just heard you. Did I hear you? Yeah, yeah. Can, call... can you hear me now? I can hear you. <laughs> yes, uh, Verizon Wireless. Yes, I can hear you now. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just, I mean, I was just saying, like, you know, fields where really it's about fomenting, um, you know, divisiveness, right? Those yes. are not productive. They're destructive. Right. There yes. are entire fields like that. There are art programs that are just about destroying the concept of art by, like, you know, throwing smears on the wall, right? right. Those are not productive fields. Yeah, they're destructive. So if that is what for and I can't believe this is actually true of anybody if that is what you regard as as flourishing and and you know that's what you know floats your boat sorry you know I, not really right, <laughs> like right, yeah, yeah, right. I don't I don't feel bad that like you can't support yourself on some on destructive activities no 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 you right. have to support yourself right. on productive activities well it's like being I guess you know consider it you know uh you know, if you, if you deal heroin, right. You, you know, you might consider that to be as a heroin dealer. Yeah. You're making a lot of money. Right. But you're, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the people that, that are addicted to heroin are engaging in a self-destructive act. And yes, I'm not saying it should be illegal or there should be any government involvement, by the way, I don't want to get but it is immoral. But yeah. I mean, it, yeah, because it's, it's self-destructive. You're, you're not, you're not, yeah. uh, so yeah, you could be the best heroin yeah, dealer on the block. But, yeah, you can't feel good about yourself by 
by poisoning your customers. I mean, I'm sorry, right. that's not, at some level, you know, that's, that's not going to give you self-esteem. It, no, it isn't. Yeah. Right. I mean, you can pretend it all day long. You're not fooling me. Um, right. Whatever that's worth. Yeah. And, and that well, actually brings me to a really good point is that productiveness and wealth are not the same thing. Um, right. And, and one is not a substitute for the other. Um, productiveness, no matter how much or how little you make, will give you pride because it, it, it is irrefutable proof that you are good at life, right? But wealth, I mean, the, wealth is the proof of productivity. So if you, you know, for example, you, I, I remember thinking about this at, about Paris Hilton when, you know, and, and hopefully she's gotten better, but, you know, back when she had that, like, really awful sex tape, right, I thought to myself, okay, my, this is a very clear indication that money does not buy happiness, right? Mm-hmm. You still there? Yeah, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, so, like, I'm, I'm, I'm super paranoid there. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm just ready like, to go. Yeah, no, I mean, like, like, I don't care how many millions she has, she's, a sex tape like that, she's obviously not happy. And I thought about it, and I wonder if the reason is that, like, you know, she's inherited all this wealth. This is the proof of somebody else's productivity. And, like, how defeating is that, right? Like, when you're surrounded by wealth that that's just there to remind you that you are not productive as your dad or, or you know, whomever you inherited it from. Like, that's, at some level, that's just got to be really upsetting. And, and it, 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 I totally got why she'd be so by this heiress of millions would be so unhappy. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like also when you're that, when you haven't earned the money, like her father did and her mom and whatever, uh, you're more susceptible to being bored. And when you have, when you're bored and you have a lot of money, you know, bad things can happen, you know, if you don't have direction and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, when you're, when you're bored and don't have a lot of money, you can still become like a math addict. So yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you're, you're productive and challenged by your productive work so that you're not bored and self-destructive, whatever your income. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, that, that's true. Uh, it, it could be, it's a little more higher profile, I guess, when you're, uh, when you have a lot of money and you're, you're a public eye too. And, but yeah, no, I, you can be self-destructive and, and like like that and um, but the the thing is is to to be you know what is it to how is what does it mean to be productive and have and, and be a positive productivity you know you know it's basically it's not so it's just not anything that you're good at it's just uh, so what would be yeah you know like for so well, for I, was, example, I was thinking about. Oh, did you want to give an example? No, or? no you no you, oh, you, was, do it, you do it. Well, no, I, I mean I'm not sure this is exactly the example you were looking for, but like lottery winners are almost always miserable, and the notable exception is if they continue working or or at least working and and producing something that they really enjoy and find challenging. And again, I think it's the same sort of thing. I mean, when you work really hard and you buy a really nice motorcycle or something, um, 
you know, every time you look at that motorcycle and ride it around, you think, yeah, this is, I did this. This was all that pipetting I did and all those smelly microbes or, you know, whatever you say to yourself right. when you sure. <laughs> ride around on a motorcycle. Um, but if you're, if you're a lottery winner, right, you buy a nice motorcycle, the narrative is very different, right? You sit on it and, and at some level you're thinking to yourself, man, this is, this is somebody else's, the product is somebody else's uh, pipetting. You know, I didn't, I didn't make this. I just, I just won it by, by sheer accident. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, again, it, I mean, I can't get inside anyone's head. I certainly can't get inside the head of, of, of a lottery winner, but I, I imagine at some level that narrative is pretty dismal. I'd be pretty miserable with those millions too. Yes. Uh, the way, yeah, if you earn the millions, you know, by working hard and, and by the sweat of your brow and by, you know, uh, every, you're pouring your blood and heart and soul into something, then, then when you earn it, it's like it's yours and you grab it by the throat and it's, you're like, you can stand up, wave it in your hand and just say, look, here's what I did. Uh, when it's just handed to you, see, that's why I, have, I what is the, uh, the saying is shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in a generation or three generations. Isn't that the, the saying that, uh, uh, Leonard Peikoff, uh, who, who was it said, you know, you, you, you know, your grandfather worked his ass off, built a, an empire of fortune, passes it off to the to his son who passes it off to his son. And if, if it's not, uh, learned or it's not valued, between the the son the the, the, the middleman the, the the son and who passes off to his grand or yeah the guy's grandson the fortune will be squandered the time his life has, by the time he's growing up and he's wasted all that money so it's got to be something where you continually uh, working for preserving the the wealth that you have or the the the, the job and uh, the, the company that you run, it's got to be a constant, you know, uh, process of working hard, no matter what, where you are, where you are in your, with your, with what you have with your wealth or your company or whatever. It's a continuous, you can't just expect it to be handed off and it to be sustained. It has to be worked for. All, all yeah. I mean, that's one of, one of the things that make, you know, the character of Francisco Danconia, you've met him. I mean, you yes. know what a badass he is. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, and he talks about that explicitly. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, I mean, how often do you see a multi-generational, um, you know, multinational company um, Im- improve and grow in productivity and wealth generation after generation? Well, I mean, that's part of what makes Francisco Danconia so extraordinary is that you know the, the company was started by his great grandfather, and here he, I mean. He, and he talks about this, like his in his family, you're you don't you're not automatically a Danconia in the full sense of that term. You have to earn it. You know, the idea is that each one outdoes the previous generation, which is interesting. I mean, like you know, they they applauded money. Francisco has an entire speech about how awesome money is, um, which we will probably talk about at some point. But it's not. I mean, this, you know, each kid wasn't given like a dollar value. It was just, you know, I mean, it's just work hard, be good at something, 
you know, hopefully you can do better than, than, than we did. And, and, and indeed it's, I mean, I think about this every time I'm with Gracie's, you know, like I love my life and I think I've done very, very well for myself. I'm not, I'm not wealthy and I don't care. I, I love what I do. Um, but, you know, I, I think every parent hopes that their, that their children will exceed their, their own capacity. And I really have no worries about that. <laughs> yeah. By the way, we have, uh, we have three people or no. Yeah. We have three people in the chat. So that's great. Hello. Thank you for stopping by. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for bearing with us with our weird technical issues. Yeah. We've had some technical issues. I don't know how long they've been on. I, I, I'm going to give the number just in case again, if anyone wants to call on to chime in, I know that, you know, there's some, some chatting going on. Um, uh, if 516-387-1224, uh, press one if you want to uh, call in. If you have questions or whatever, that's fine. Otherwise, it's okay if you don't want to. We'll just go with, with you on the on the chat. Um, so thank you guys for listening and, and tuning in. Uh, Meg, were you? I don't know if you were done. If I did, I interrupt your train of thought. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I yeah, no. We, go ahead and add add what what were you gonna say? Uh, well, I'm just, you know, I just was, re- I was kind of reading on some of the, uh, the, the chat in the, in the chat room. Uh, it says, uh, it's Suzette, by the way, uh, productivist is performing a task well done, something completed that you can take pride in as a result, production or end goal. And I said, yes, I, guess I responded <laughs> by saying, however, not self-destructive. Uh, yeah. And that, oh, Robert Nasir, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing your last name right. I know we're friends on Facebook, but he said the fascinating thing about pride is that it's more than a value, more than another way of seeing self-esteem. Pride is also a virtue, a thing you do. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I have to say that my, uh, Robert, you you probably have thought this through more than I have, um, but um yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's this virtuous circle, right? Like you, you need reason to be productive. I mean, you, you can only do so much if you're, if you're just kind of checked out mentally. Um, and you can do a whole lot if your reason is good. Um, but you know, it's not mere, you know, it's not just a matter of thinking about it. You actually have to do it and do it well. Um, that's, that's your purpose. That's your, and productiveness is what makes that purpose real, like physically real. Um, and yeah, and, and self-esteem is, is the reward and self-esteem, you know, knowing that you're good at, that your reason is good and that you're, that you're efficacious physically. I mean, that's, that's only going to make, that's only going to win you more of the, of the major values. If that makes <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, no, that, that's that's uh, absolutely true. Hey, we have a caller that has a question. Rock on. All right, let me uh, let me pull him on. Call him or her on. Sorry if it's a her. Okay, nine oh nine area code. Who is this? Hello, happy Sunday. Hello? I'm a hey, her. Happy, happy Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Suzette, and I'm calling from Southern California. Hi, Suzette. Hey, Suzette. Welcome, to, uh, welcome to the closet. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll squeeze in Can with you. <laughs> Anytime you want. <laughs> um, 
Well, the productiveness, that's a very good topic. It's just a topic that um, I think needs to be discussed more these days. You know, I I find that at most or any job that I can take on as for employment, I've seemed to start at the bottom and within a month have moved up. And it's not anything that I strive for. In fact, the last um, job that I had, I had actually just wanted to be a worker bee. I didn't want any type of managerial responsibilities or so forth. Just a part-time, just too busy, make a little money, and so forth, and that was it. Well, I can't help myself (laughs) as far as something (laughs) needs to I can't stand still. And the owner had noticed. The owners noticed that you're doing stuff. You know, when I worked over hours, I said, well, you know, I don't want so many overtime hours. I said, well, that's okay. I'll just clock out, and then I'll finish the job. They're like, no, 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 you can't do that. It's against the law. I don't want any problems. I said, well, no, it's just I want to finish the job. You know, you take pride in work to do. And it sounds crazy, and it was funny when I had a, I actually identified with Donald Trump when he had said, it's not always about money. It's just about getting the job done and feeling yeah. good about the job I did. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and it's, 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 it's interesting hearing the difference, you know, when I hear objectivists talk about their work. It's not... You know, there's not this fear like, oh, I'm going to objective as hell if I if I take a vacation or if I, you know, you know, go home after eight hours of work. It's 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 sort of this desire for moral perfection to be right with yourself, right? Like to mm-hmm. to do the job, to feel good about it, and and go home and and enjoy your 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 home life. Um, you know, and it's, I mean, the the difference is night and day when I talk to a non-objectivist, not, you know, like, they're they're not objectivist yet. That's what I always say. Um, <laughs> but they just, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of this chore. And that's just, that's just too bad. I'm sorry, my, my daughter is making faces at me in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> She's being productive. Yeah. <laughs> She's accomplishing her goal there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's so nice to talk to you. Um, so I, tell tell us about yourself. First of all, what is your fake news headline? There what you is go, the thanks. headline you wish were true? That I wish were true? Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, gosh. Uh, let's see. I wish it was true that... Um, the LBGT community and Black Lives Matter community threw down their complaints and decided to be one with everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> they want to be equal, but they want to be recognized, and you can't be both. You want to, you know, if you want to blend in with everybody, or do you want special rights? And that goes with a lot of other communities. So we just all need to, hey, what you do is what you do, and good for you. You know, I'm. I'm that's great. Or, we can or, be perhaps, friends. <laughs> or perhaps, perhaps may, maybe they would want to say, not think of themselves as a group and more of an individual. Hey, I may be a black yeah. person or a, a woman, but I also am a, uh, I'm also Suzette and I have my own individual thoughts and my own individual goals. And I'm not part of a big collective that needs some sort of special uh, permission or special exemption or whatever you you want to be treated differently than anybody. Oh, I, I like do. that. I each, love that. Each member yes. of that group, yeah, each member of that group says, you know what? 
I'm an individual with, with unique gifts, and I bring something awesome to the table, and people value me for my uniqueness. The end. There you go. That's awesome. That, that was perfect. That was absolutely perfect because now that I mentioned it, I caught myself doing it as far as recognizing their communities. <laughs> yeah. We're all one big community as a nation yeah. and, and so, of individuals. So. And so, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Thank you. We, so, we all, uh, no problem. Thank you for calling. I, I just. Uh, I, I catch myself too, though. See, I mean, even. I, and I know Meg, you know, you, 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 you know, Based on how how you grew up, where you learn things, you know, you catch yourself. That's the funny thing about objectivism. Once you start thinking, like, I don't know how familiar you are with with objectivism, Suzette. Uh, uh, have you? You read sound anything? pretty familiar. Just just at, at a cold read. Well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, how can you? I'm 50 years old. I've kind of been through the chains and watched a lot go through our nation and across our nation and seeing our culture change. And so. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is yeah. your origin story? How, um, how did you become an objectivist superhero? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I have uh, two sons and they are um, Mormon, being more raised Mormon. And so I guess it was through religion and religious differences and and um so and how that works out in the family wasn't anything really business related or community related I guess it was just within my family <laughs> that's kind of how I came to it too um Suzette I um I just and it's I, I I wasn't beaten over the head with religion or anything like that so it's not you know I just could see a lot of flaws that I, I didn't really notice until I started like reading Iran and uh, listening to uh, objectivism uh, lectures more so than, uh, than reading right away. But it started making, you know, the self-sacrifice angle started really nag at me a little. Like why, you know, why can't I just be happy and produce for myself? Uh, why is it that I, I have to feel bad if I'm not, you know, working mm-hmm. in a, donating my time to a soup kitchen, you know, do, why do I have to feel bad if I'm not doing that? I, I don't think I should have to, as long as I'm doing stuff for myself and the people that I care about. So mm-hmm. it just kind of, it just kind of went from there. So. Well, I, and yeah. I so that, like I, what, what was the first, first Ayn Rand book you ever read? And I mean, what was, what was your reaction or. Well, um, there's a um, ethical egoism. I mean, I think we got that kind of going on right now. Um, as far as uh, his books that he has read, is mostly just listening, a lot more listening than anything else. Um, I see and hear a lot, and, you know, even though the books that he wrote and he's gone and everything now, but is really coming into play a lot these days, I think. And Are you talking about Leonard Peikoff or Ayn Rand? Because Ayn, Ayn Rand's a, a woman, which, you know, I mean, to me that's even, I mean, you don't hear about a lot of female philosophers in general, but, I mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. No, don't. I didn't mean to embarrass you or anything. It's no, just, no, I mean, no, that's like, fine. for me, that's, that's kind of like icing, you know? I mean, 
Maybe that's, that's well, a little that's silly. I, but... I hadn't read any books. I was trying to be honest there because I hadn't. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, well, that I welcome. It's, she's a female. <laughs> uh, and, and that kind of actually is, uh, doesn't surprise me now that you say that. And, and uh, you know, I don't know much, but um, I think women are more in tune because of our, you know, innate ability to be nurturing. And we see things uh, around us more so than men. Men have, I think, more blinders on. And so there are women, too. But I think That may depend on the woman. <laughs> I'm speaking to myself age. here. And the age. Yeah, that, too. <laughs> um, but I think at one point we all reach a certain point. I think it may come after our 30s. I don't know. It's just my opinion. That um, the blinders start to come off. Depending, it doesn't matter actually whether you're (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it matters what what the gender that you are. I just think those blinders start to come off and uh, you start developing an understanding. Yeah, my like my daughter is is just been starting to talk, so it'll be it'll be interesting to hear what she has to say about her mom's um, attunement. I'll be honest, she thinks you're awesome. I'll be interested in hearing that too. You sound like a really good mom. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. I um yeah, we, we do have a lot of fun together, that's for sure. That's good. That's good. That's what it's all about right now. <laughs> yep. What were you gonna say, Corey? Well, I was just gonna say so so Robert in the chat room is kinda knocking it out of the park here. Uh so I, I just want to read what he said here is that, you know, the external objective measure of a man's worth is did he produce as much as he consumed? A question mark. Uh, happily, it's 2017, and you don't have to make 99.9% of what you want and need, so long as you produce the value equivalent and trade for it. And he says, goes on to say, personally, since I can't do the calculus that says, yeah, I got exactly as good as I gave, I've got to always give more than I receive. And that's okay because it's not hard, especially if you've got great ideas in your toolkit. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or anything, but I just thought I would me- mention it uh, since he's chatting away. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's mm. a great philosophy to live by, actually, you know, to give more than you than you get or even keep tabs on. There shouldn't be a tab list as far as, let's see, I did this, so I need to get this back, <laughs> or I'm looking for this back, having expectations. So, yeah, you know, do what you do, and, and um, that's that. Be happy with what you're doing. As long as you're doing something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not, also, I'm not so, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure what, I, I fully understand what um, Robert is saying, but, I mean, you know, a, a trade doesn't have to be, I mean, how do you even begin to measure, like, you know, when I, when I, you know, buy, when I buy a book or something, right? Like, I have no idea, I, I have only a limited idea how much value I'm going to get out of it. It, it may end up being a lot more than the, the 10 bucks I, I spent on it, but that doesn't mean it's not a worthy trade. If it wasn't me getting exactly $10 worth of value and, and the, the publisher and the bookseller and the author are getting, you know, whatever their cut is getting. I mean, it doesn't have to be exactly $10 for $10 worth of value. Um, as long as we're both getting, you know, getting something of value out of the trade. I mean, like if it wasn't worth it for them, they wouldn't bother selling it. If it wasn't worth it for me, I wouldn't bother going to the store. We're both getting a whole lot more out of it by trading than than we would if we 
hadn't. And, you know, who's to say who, like, won more in that trade? Who cares, right? We're both, we're both walking away happy. Well, yeah. that's, and that's the, yeah, that, and that's the, the yeah, that's what I, I you know, uh, you know, assume, or I shouldn't say assume, but that's what I look for, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, I buy, like I say, a book, I may have heard a little bit about this book, and I'm like, oh, I'm intrigued, the book is $10, and uh, it's worth uh, 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 less than $10 to the person that's selling it, it's worth more than the $10 to me to buy it. And, um, you know, so we're obviously both, uh, we're both winning, uh, the trade, it's a win-win trade and maybe, maybe, you know, I got bad information from somebody that I trusted or whatever that said, Hey, this book is good. And I read it and I'm like, no, this book is crap. Well, what are you going to do? You, you know, in the long run you lost, but in the short run you, you won. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, like an I don't know how I would apply that to you being a, a consumer uh, as far as um, economic consumer of purchase because you can only purchase based on your judgments of what the item is. You know, yeah. you care about, you, you get what you pay for as far as that goes. But I think as a philosophy of life, being able to contribute yourself, you know, to causes or your, to, you know, your area of living, um, to better to the betterment of society or your family or others, just others in general. Um, so you know, you personally. Well, here again, I think this is where where objectivism sort of differs from from you know more I guess more conventional philosophies. But again, it you know it doesn't have to be that you know I take the trash out for you one day and you take the trash out for me the next day. I mean, nobody actually lives that way. Um, right, but right. that like well, sure, you know, sure. like like we both we both you know like I'm not taking the trash out for you every single day and you're you know doing nothing and 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 vice versa right like there's like we we gain value from each other and and often you I mean just as there's specialization in in the market right where you know I'm a scientist and and um, Corey's in finance right like I can't do his job I mean I don't. I don't know, Corey. Can you do? Can you do my job? Do you do you want no, to work with my stinky no, microbes? No. <laughs> <laughs> I each of your talents contribute to to society in some way, you know, or another. Yeah, I mean, it's not. You know, it's, it's it. sure. I mean, I'm I'm not choosing science versus something else to please somebody else, right? Like it's it's right. fulfilling to me. Um, it's it's a value because I'm getting paid for it. Um, now who's Who's winning more, me or my boss? I think we're both doing pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> we're Absolutely. not keeping score here, you know. Right. But you know, the 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 moment either one of us feels like we're not, we're we're getting sort of shafted in the deal, we walk away, and and that's you know, like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't owe anything to society. I I I owe it to myself to be right with myself and to you know, um, I. I owe a whole lot to my to my daughter, but there again, it's not it's not that she's a slave to me or that I'm a slave to her. Like <laughs> yeah. she just blew a raspberry. You asked me about um, <laughs> the book. <laughs> you asked me about what book I read and, and the, uh, which one was my favorite. Which was yours? Because I would like to know more about her. Um. Oh gosh, that's that is just so hard to pick. I, probably Atlas Shrugged. Um, well, yeah, just. 
yeah. I should not be saying this on air, but I, I am kind of a hopeless romantic and there's this beautiful love story there. And, um, I don't, I don't want to say any more, but, um, we should, we yeah, should have, was, Meg, Meg, we should do a, a show where we talk more about not, not, not that we give away a lot of the book, but I think we should talk to kind of wet people's appetites that may not have read it. And we okay. have to figure oh, out. It's going to be so out. tough. Yeah, I know that without giving I'm intrigued a lot of it now. Away. <laughs> yeah. So, but Atlas Shrugged is definitely the the book that, I mean, a lot of people will say The Fountainhead, and, and that one is, <laughs> would, be, would be good too. Um, I'm a fan of Atlas, and, and I'm, re, I'm actually listening to it on Audible, thanks to Megan. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's really cool. Uh, we only got a few minutes left in the show. Um, we do, uh, Suzette, I hope that you follow us on Blog Talk. Um, oh, yeah, just, Suzette, it was lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for calling in, and call in anytime you want. Thank you for taking yeah. my call. And if you wouldn't mind listing a couple of books in the in the chat room there, I would really love to check it out before your next show. Absolutely. Sounds and great. We, we, we do shows. This is the day we do it is Sundays uh, at 3.30 Central Time. We're in Minnesota. We, uh, so 3.30 uh, Central Time on every Sunday. Uh, we'll be on. Just uh, hit the little follow uh, on the blog talk. Uh, I believe it's to the upper right-hand corner, I believe, somewhere. I just clicked follow. it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And You're awesome. Added. And your daughter's beautiful. God bless. Oh, thank, thank you. So much, you. Thank you. Take care. It's nice to meet you. And uh, hang out in the chat room, and I'll, we'll give you some uh, some stuff to uh, to read. Yeah, Corey, I'm going to have to put that on you since I can't see the chat. No, that's that's quite all right. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, Meg will be back next Sunday. And, um, you know, happy uh, sign off with your what? Cheers to reason, right, Meg? Cheers to reason. Cheers to reason. Okay, thanks, everybody. And, uh, yeah, get out there and uh, and read and uh, listen next week. We will be back and then. And be productive. Otherwise, you're be going productive. to productive as hell. Just kidding. That's right. No. <laughs> that's not a thing. All right, Meg, thanks. Bye.
In this world of nonstop news, it's important local journalists cut through the noise so you know what really matters. Hi, everyone. I'm Phil Lipoff. And I'm Shannon Malaire. In our community in Boston, you are the driving force behind our stories every night. Our investigators team is constantly creating change that impacts all of us. And NBC10 response Leslie Gatiss is ready to fight for your retail rights. Plus experience and accuracy, Pete Bouchard brings you the forecast like no one else. It's your news and we're here to tell it. NBC10 Boston, weeknights at 6, 7 and 11. In this world of nonstop news, it's important local journalists cut through the noise so you know what really matters. Hi, everyone. I'm Phil Lipoff. And I'm Shannon Malaire. In our community in Boston, you are the driving force behind our stories every night. Our investigators team is constantly creating change that impacts all of us. And NBC10 response Leslie Gatiss is ready to fight for your retail rights. Plus experience and accuracy, Pete Bouchard brings you the forecast like no one else. It's your news and we're here to tell it. NBC10 Boston, weeknights at 6, 7 and 11.